Welcome to Getting Behind the Desk, the 12-episode podcast series about the past, present, and future of broadcast journalism. Your host, John Dills, a senior mass communications major at Piedmont University, is going to explore topics relating to what broadcast has grown to be and what we can expect in the future. For the final episode of Getting Behind the Desk, I'm joined by Miss Keisha Lee. Miss Lee is previously a reporter, has worked in the film industry, and is now an entrepreneur and author. What originally piqued your interest in broadcast? What originally piqued my interest in broadcast was growing up in the peak state of the capital city, Atlanta. I was so fortunate to be a young black girl growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, and seeing people that look like me on the news. I saw black women of all colors, sizes, and shades. And so I knew I could be in the TV news business. My mother and I watched television news all the time. She was, I mean, she believed in setting down and watching the news. And so I know that it's come and speak and it's popular to say representation matters, but I'm a living witness of that. It absolutely matters. And so that's why I was originally piqued because I saw Monica Kaufman. I saw Brenda Woods, Steen Miles. I saw these great women delivering the news on a nightly basis. And I thought, that's what I want to do. This is, this is it. So I knew very young I wanted to be in the TV news business. You say um, Monica Kaufman Pearson. For me, she's one of really like my biggest inspirations into getting into broadcast just because of the way that she has presented herself in the media. And I thought that was like, as a child, I was watching television news with my parents and seeing her, she was always, always my absolute favorite. And so hearing you say that, we've got a big similarity in that. And I, I think that's really great. It is truly, and I've been even more fortunate because I interned while in college at the University of Georgia, Grady College of Journalism, Go Dogs. I interned at WSB-TV, um, and Monica worked there. So I was able to forge a relationship with her um, during that time, and so she served as a mentor of mine, and um, we've had a relationship for, for years. So I was not only fortunate to watch her on TV, but to have access to her. And that's like the second tier representation and then access, you know, real world exposure to someone doing what you want to do. That's, that was really um, the catalyst for my career. That's so wonderful. I'm so glad you got to meet really your inspiration for broadcasting be an intern under her as well. That's, I think for young broadcasters that are getting into the business, the welcomeness that they feel is very important. And I think obviously Monica Kaufman Pearson is fully, fully welcoming. Over time, we've seen a lot of different changes to broadcast television. What was the biggest change to you while you were in the industry? So when I was in the industry, I hate to date myself, but when I was in the industry, it was called a one-man band, and it's where you kind of do everything. You shoot, you you film, you edit, and then you're also on camera. Yeah. And 
um, now it's called MMJs. Yes. That, um, that role, that's been the biggest change because I have now, I never saw it when I was in TV news, but I see anchors, like even main anchors, MMJing. And so I'm like, oh, that is a big change. I've, here's the pro to, and I think MMJ stands for Multimedia Journalist. Yes, ma'am, it Which does. just means one-man band. You're doing everything yourself. Yes. Um, I, here's the pro to that. I think you must learn every aspect of the business. So from that perspective, I think it's great. From So that's a pro of this whole MMJ, one-man band um, um, thing that we're going to the I would say the biggest con to that um, or disadvantage is that you know stations are getting three roles out of one person and still paying you you know as a single just probably just paying folks for the anchoring or the reporting piece and they're getting three for one at, at minimum three for one also there comes a point where I think you can't do it all well. And if I am a reporter, you know, I got to make sure the mics, I got to make sure the camera, I got to make sure this. I'm not sure that they're able to really fully develop as reporters or anchors or anchor reporters because they're having to do the production piece as well. Cable cutting is really starting to happen over the last decade. What platforms do you see television news stations switching to in order to reach their audiences? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, social media, streaming, they're going to be everywhere, YouTube, every platform they can get on. I I don't know how TikTok will work, but um, all of them. So going on to the next question, um, you kind of already answered it a little bit, but what ways do you see all of these new television news stations moving on to social media and like what aspect? Oh, that's a good question. I think having to um, having to pivot to streaming and social media is going to be, um, I think, a great move for the talent from the business aspect of. of companies, corporations, they're going to have to monetize it. They're going to have to attract viewers and and retain them. But from the talent aspect, that's what I look at because I guess I, I was on that end of the business. This is a time to brand yourself, to, to let your personality come out, yes. to transcend whatever market you're in, like Monica Kaufman Pearson. You know, she, she's been in movies. Like, she is a brand. She's an icon. And so, yes, she's big in Atlanta, but I think she transcends this market. And so that's, I, I want that for the talent. I mean, we're called talent. We're called personalities. And so I get your question about from the business aspect, but I'm looking at talent and them establishing themselves. And that's what I tell my mentees. 
I'm one of the people I love is Fred Blankenship. And every yes. morning around 5 or 6 a.m., Fred, is he got music playing. He's doing a little motivational minute on Instagram, <laughs> and it is life, right? And he's dancing before he goes on air. Like, that's I think that's going to keep you in the industry. That's going to keep you employed when you have that big personality. I mean, we're called personalities and talent, although, you know, we're supposed to have that journalistic piece over an actor or something like that. But yeah, I think I'm thinking about talent. I think they have got to build up their following, have their own personality outside of their media group and kind of establish themselves. That's what I like about it. As we're coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, what is really one of the biggest lessons for broadcasters? I would say having the ability to adapt, being innovative, being creative, being a self-starter. I had students, you know, run me down um, to, to have a conversation with me, to have a, a mentorship relationship. And they're like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. You're thinking about it? Like, there's no better time ever. No, if and you, you don't start a podcast, you've got to do it. <laughs> right? Are you kidding me? Like, um, there was a young lady, um, they featured me on a program for um, alumni um, at Georgia. So I did a, I did a podcast with her and she was like, I'm in public health and I'm thinking about, I mean, what do you think? I've really been thinking about starting a podcast and I, I tried to stay professional because I wanted to scream at her like, we're in a pandemic, girl, there is no better time. Like the universe has delivered this into your hands, I would exactly. be, man, I'd have 20, I'd have a hundred episodes by now. Like what, what are you, I thought she wanted to talk to me offline about doing it, like the technical aspect, right? And I was gonna be like, get the cell phone and let's go. She, she was talking to me about what, if she should. And I just thought, what is it with this generation? Like, why don't they have that initiative why aren't they able to adapt? Like, you should never waste my time asking me, should you start a podcast and you're a public health major during a pandemic? Oh, OMG. fully agree. Right. So that's been my um, frustration. Adapt. Be ahead of the curve. Take, be innovative, creative, and take initiative. Just do it. Oh yeah. Now, if she, you know, if she had asked me how to do it, that's different. But she was asking me, "Well, I'm wondering, should I?" OMG, girl. See, podcasting is really taking off in the last two or three years. Really, is when like it started really gaining momentum, and we see big podcasts out there, such as like the Joe Rogan Experience, to yeah. podcasts very different from that to that are like call her daddy and then something very different like crime junkie. And so there is a niche market for podcasts that oh my each podcast can hit. And this is my thing. So, but the thing, the, the, the real big thing is I had to do when I was in the business, I had to take 
news source through the Grady College of Journalism. I had to get an intern to get a reel, right? I had to go out with reporters, um, get their B-roll, retract, rewrite their packages and, and edit them and, and do my own stand-ups. You don't have to do that now. Like, you can really YouTube yourself, broadcast yourself. That is exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't understand that. I don't understand why young people aren't, like, all of the barriers that were there, I would say, in my day. I hate to use that phrasing. But, you know, when I was coming through, I mean, you don't have any of that. So why... Why are people doing the work? And then that's how the opportunities come. I mean, if a news director or anyone wants to approach me, I'd have so much content. They check your social media and all of that anyway. I'd have my stuff up. You know, they wouldn't even have to. Honey, let me send you 20 links. Let's get it. So that's what I want for young people, um, to take that initiative, be innovative, Use all of the technology that is available. You really only need a cell phone now. Oh, yeah. And it's just gotten easier over the last, like, decade especially because you used to have to really, like, to get started on something, you had to carry around cameras, microphones. And, of course, we're still doing that in the industry, but there's also, like, you can use a camera or I'm sorry, you can use a phone as your backup now. So for example, I was recording a reel, this was a few weeks ago, and my audio was not there. And I just happened to have the thought to set my phone to record the audio in case something happened. And I really saved myself re-recording all of that. I mean, that's perfect. That's, That's what I mean by initiative and innovation. I mean, you can't replace that. You have it right there in your hand and everyone has a cell phone. So, and that's kind of the premise of my book. Keisha Lee presents filmmaking 101. Um, shameless plug, but I, I tell you, you how, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you how to produce films on your cell phone, but it's really how to produce content. Cause I go through everything from, commercials to PSAs to movie trailers to silent movies. I give you 10 lessons and these are all things you can create yourself on your cell phone. And it's just a catalyst to get people creating content. And so it's not just for film students, it's broadcast, it's entrepreneurs, you know, it's just anyone get started today. And that's what it says on the cover. So that's, what I'm trying to push people toward. Yeah. And you've honestly kind of led us into the next question. Where do you see broadcast television content produced within the next decade? So for an example of that, would segments be shorter or longer or would they be more formal or more less informal? Like which way do you see the segments really going to match their audience now? Oh, yeah, it's definitely, I see the segments um, produced, you know, through TV news. I see them shorter for for sure, um, faster paced. And I, I feel, and I'm seeing it now, to find out more, to see the full interview, to read the full story, go to our website. So they're going to drive the audience to their website 
or, you know, to, I, I used to love when they did the after show, right? Uh, for the after show, when, when you watch the TV series, I used to love Greenleaf. Um, when you watch it, you, you know, go to Twitter for the after show, go to, you know, Facebook for, so that's what they're going to do. They're going to give you a teaser, a little bit of a little snippet and then drive you to, I believe the website and the social media sites. So that's where I see that going. That's a great perspective. Cause I never really thought about it in that way. I was really thinking like what, or how are they going to transition the audience? I, I never thought of them really almost in a sense, plugging their own websites into their television production. So I, I think that's a very valuable perspective on that. And they do it all the time. And I'm trying to do it even in my own marketing, you know, do like a minute, put everything down to a minute, kind of like a commercial, a teaser, um, a trailer almost, and then go to my YouTube channel for the full interview. You know, go to this for more. You know, click the link in my bio. Um, and that's what all of the blog sites are doing. Um, they te- And I, I fall for it. I mean, they give me just enough. And I'm like, guys, let me click this stupid <laughs> link in the bio. <laughs> I want more. Especially if they give you that give you that that teaser that you know someone that you really like and admire and you want to read more or you know he hit her in the face click the link in our bio to see where exactly his fist hit her you know just i'm being silly but yeah i think that's where it's moving and it's brilliant um because people don't read anyway they don't listen you know they have that short attention span so it's definitely going to be shorter little quick nuggets teasers even and then watch the full interview such and such yeah and it's crazy because it's even happening on social media now like we see plugging of one social media to another so i i really think that is the future is everything linking up um so going kind of taking a little step back can you share what moment in creating a story that has moved you the most the moment in creating a story. So when I was in TV news, I wanted to do hard news, you know. If it bleeds, it bleeds. I wanted to be on the big story, the murder, the standoffs. And I wanted those kind of stories because I was told that's how you elevate in the industry, right? If you can do the hard news, you're going to go far. And, you know, my goal was to make it to New York. So that was my initial goal when I first started out. And so I always wanted those stories. And then one day I did a story. um, It was through Make-A-Wish Foundation, but it was an elder man. And he was dying of cancer. And his, I was working in Augusta, Georgia at this time. Uh, I think it was the ABC affiliate. And his dying wish was to take his wife to the Masters tournament. And when I tell you people called in that station and they donated tickets and they sent a car, like, I was like, OMG. Like, that was the first time I saw the impact of my work. And it wasn't a, a hard news, a bad story. It was 
And I was just like, I mean, just him, his dying wish was to be able to give his wife this. Not, not, he didn't want anything for himself. That right there got me. I mean, that got the, the tear ducts. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, and then the community's response. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the first time I saw the power of media and the power of the work that I do. Like it could, like people are really hopefully innately kind. And I mean, they broke their neck. Like it was a whole big thing. Now one of the dayside reporters stole my story and finished it off for me. Uh, you know, they could have called me in cause I was night side, but I, I just was like, Oh, you know, I always thought I wanted to be this, you know, ah, reporter. But that's when I saw, now these are the kind of stories I want to do. Like, this is the kind of impact I want to have. So I think that was like a turning point for me. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of stuff I want to do. Like, I literally moved people to action. And, I mean, we really pulled on the heartstrings of the community. There were all kinds of people trying to donate their tickets. Like, we had to say, stop, no, no, no. Thank you so much. Like we had to do stories on like he has tickets, he's going, and and we had to do a completion of it. We had to show, you know, we showed them riding over to the masters and them going to the. Oh, it, that was the one for me. Like now, this is why I do the work, not to just you know be this big time reporter in New York, um, but that I was like, now if I could do this, this this would be worth it. Yeah, and that, I mean, I, I'm i sure what you felt in that moment of you produced this story and his dying wish was to go with his wife to a master's tournament and seeing that fulfilled, I'm sure you felt so much glee and you were just so content that that was made. So I really think that was wonderful. You know, just just playing my part and and being able to produce and 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 promote a positive thing like to activate the community. It was that like this 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 work has real impact, and and we should try to do good with it. I know we have to cover the other things, but I think we have to kind of identify the good that we can do with it as well. I want to thank Miss Keisha Lee for joining me on this last episode of Getting Behind the Desk. I want to thank everyone who has listened along the way for this podcast series and who has listened in support of me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Getting Behind the Desk with John Dills. Look for a new episode each week highlighting different perspectives of broadcast journalism from the past, present, or future. 